everybody, and welcome to the second episode of the Cover Band Confidential podcast, uh, the podcast for band leaders and cover band members to learn some new things and uh, hear from some people who have screwed up enough times to maybe know what they're talking about just a little bit. Here in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Adam Johnson. Here in Greensboro, North Carolina, Dan Ray. Great to be with you. Did you, uh, did you play this weekend? No, no. All rehearsals this weekend. You know, I, I think I mentioned last week I'm prepping for a um, our first frat party, which is yep. next Thursday night. A frat party from 11 to 1 on Thursday night. Uh, I guess those kids know how to party. Um, but so we're trying out some new stuff. It's um, it's a rodeo-themed party. I'm not sure if I mentioned that before. So we've added uh, – we've done – Folsom Prison Blues forever, obviously, but we've added yep. rawhide and um, <laughs> Tennessee whiskey, which has been on the bucket list. Obviously, you got to get to that one, but we added that for this show. So we're prepared for some uh, some cowboy action. Should be interesting. So um, I haven't talked about this, and the band is kind of on hiatus for the foreseeable future. But I also play in a classic country group called Convoy. Nice. And um, our our shtick was uh, we wore the the rhinestone suits like um, oh. like the nudie suits from like back in the day. Yeah. And and so I I've got a whole backlog of of all kinds of stuff. So that's great. Uh, maybe offline I'll, I'll share a couple of songs that you you sure. guys may want to look into. Sure, sure. Because uh, yeah, there's some good stuff yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's got to be accessible to 19 year olds, right? That's the right the challenge of this gig. There, there's a couple of those. You probably aren't gonna you know. You're not going to fill the dance floor up with Conway Twitty, right? Uh, it's doable though. <laughs> yeah, and we have done it quite a bit. Yeah. You want to you want to get into a, a honky tonk and start playing slow hand? Oh, yeah. That that dance floor will fill up. Good stuff. With some bar flies. Good stuff. Anywho, um, <laughs> want to thank uh, all of the positive feedback we've gotten so far. Um, gotten uh, a lot of really just kind of well wishes and. And um, we've already started to get some reviews uh, on the podcast, uh, so you can check us out on iTunes. And um, one of the guys that uh, that hit us up is a guy named Tom Blair, who is uh, who's a good friend of mine, who also uh, runs uh, a bunch of great content for uh, working musicians. You should check out Blair Out Loud uh, on Facebook as well as uh, YouTube. He's got some really really good stuff. And uh, shout out to Tom and uh, thank thank him for the support. So I've got a goal. Um, I checked on iTunes podcast and gig gab, which I think me and Dan both agree is, you know, one of the best blogs out there for, or I'm sorry, best podcasts out there for what we do has yeah. 18 five-star reviews with wow. commentary. So I would like to get 20 on, and that's, that's thrown. Uh, I don't No, 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 I'm not calling, I'm not calling, uh, Dave. And Paul out. Uh, I just want to see if, if I can, if I can, that seems like an attainable goal. It does. It does. I will say gig gab is a, a, a pretty amazing podcast and um, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, um, I mean, same for cover band central podcast. Both are, are terrific. So yeah. it's, uh, it's great to be in that space with those guys. Yep. And uh, we, we actually had a, had a good laugh about the, uh, the episode that aired uh, this past week on gig gab <laughs> uh, talking about, you know, marketing ourselves and being the premier this and the premier that, you know, it's always important if you're going to, uh, to put that in your name, that it's not quantifiable. Uh, <laughs> as long as there's not a, you know, if there's, there's not some sort of governing board that, uh, that determines those roles, you can, you can probably get away with yeah. it. That being said, it still doesn't mean anything. It's a contentless word, but whatever. Sure. 
But if you're looking for contentless words, uh, you can send $5 to uh, the following PayPal account, and you can say that one of the guys from Cover Band Confidential gave you a whatever rating. We were giving funny <laughs> funny yeah. uh, reviews to each other. Yeah. The Clanky Lincolns give the best back rubs. You know, I mean, <laughs> that's right. What well, we do. That's actually true. It's, of right. course. That's right. So, yes, continue to support. Um, we, we could use some uh, some five star ratings and some uh, some good comments uh, that would help us uh, g- kind of spread the word. And um, since we're talking about, you know, some housekeeping stuff, corrections corner, um, the email that I sent out. Last week, confidentialcoverband at gmail.com, um, I had forgotten I had actually set up the correct one, which is coverbandconfidential at gmail.com. Um, the good news is, is that since Gmail is so flexible, I've already forwarded all the old ones to the new address. So if you have any submissions, any suggestions for stuff you'd like to hear us cover um, or uh, gigs from heck stories, heck? you can send those. Yes. This is a family show. Fair you know, enough. I have Fair to enough. check whether or not there's explicit content every time I upload. Oh, so yeah. I had to make sure that uh, we are family friendly. All right. So, so yeah, um, you can email your um, your submissions and um, good vibes and uh, cookie recipes to coverbandconfidential at gmail.com. One other uh, thing about uh, correcting last week, uh, we corrected, or I corrected, hopefully, uh, the audio issues I was having on my side last week. So there should be a lot less glitching, a lot less nastiness in my voice. Um, I can't actually, I couldn't actually hear that noise as I was recording last week. So, um, yeah. but uh, we will be uh, vigilant about it. I think it's, I think it's sorted out. Yeah, we um, we decided in the moment that it was probably more important for us to release something than to table it yeah. uh, since we had been kind of going back and forth on this a couple of weeks. And we just wa- I just want to go ahead and get it out right. there. Um, and I'm catching a, a, a rare pop every every now and then, but it's nowhere near as bad as it right, was. Good. So I, I can I consider it a non issue. Very good. Very good. So what we are talking about today, um, whenever it is that you're listening to this, is starting a band. What? What do you do? Um, what is there to consider? You know, sometimes we end up on um, on the outs with a with a previous group, and we're kind of on our own. Or maybe we've got um, another guy that kind of thinks the same way that we do, and we want to do a project. And and any time that that kind of event happens, there's some stuff to consider, and um, we figured that that would be a good. I mean, ideally, a first topic uh, for this podcast. And, um, here we are starting our podcast. We may as well talk about starting a band. It's true. Um, and Dan and I have both kind of written about this fairly extensively. So I think we, we know a thing or two about a thing or two. So let's, uh, let's dive into it. So- well, I think the first thing is to resolve for yourself, whether you're starting some kind of art project or whether the band you're starting is a business. Yep. I think that there are bands out there that are started uh, because the players want to have fun. And that is super cool. I'm not knocking that in the slightest. It's completely valid. Um, then there are bands out there that want to have fun and make money yeah, or have fun and make a little money or, or, you know, at least the business side of it is part of the equation. Yeah. And then there are bands like, you know, like y'all and like some others that, that I know of that are money-making ventures. Fundamentally, they're about, income, plenty of players do this and that's all they do. And it's their whole job. Yep. So your band is going to fall. When you start a band, it's going to fall somewhere on that spectrum. Yep. 
In my opinion, if it's purely an art project, that's one thing. And it could be you only ever imagine playing at huh, neighborhood parties or, uh, you know, if gigging in a bar is just not ever what you think you're going to do, that's one whole thing. Yep. But if there's any plan at all to have any kind of payment for services rendered in terms of this band, you want to think of it in, in business terms. And it's always going to be both, right? It's yep. always There's always going to be the musical expression and there's always going to be the business, unless it's pure musical expression. But if there's a hint of business in it, you got to think business like about it because otherwise things get, um, things get weird. Mm -hmm. Things get weird. So, and genres like right at the heart of that question, what kind of music you're going to play? There's music that you love. There's music that you grew up with. There's music that you love to play. And then there's music that people want to actually pay you to hear. And those might not be the same thing. Yeah. I don't know how many corporate metal bands there are. Exactly. So exactly. it, it does play into that. And, and yeah, the, the whole discussion of art intersecting commerce is, uh, is a loaded one. Yeah, absolutely. 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 Now for you, you know, members only, are you, are you, you're an eighties kid, I presume. Yep. Yeah. So I me was too. born, yeah, I was born in September of 81. So, uh, MTV had aired roughly three weeks before I was born. And so I never lived in a world where MTV did not exist. Ah. And that's kind of like one of the things, like, I mean, we were, we were, born and raised on this stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, well, I mean, I, you know, I was born in 74, so I was, yeah. I, I was already sort of active and aware of music by the time your genre hit, uh, but that makes it my stuff, you know, that makes it my home. Right. Um, frankly, I'd play in an eighties, eighties tribute band, you know, eighties shtick band and be completely thrilled about it. Um, and fortunately, like you've found, that's one of those genres that has great overlap between man, I love this music and Hey, people will actually pay for it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, for us, we and, and it's kind of one of the things that you you do need to consider if you are looking uh, to make it a money a money making venture is um, what are you selling? And and for us and a lot of bands like us, we are selling a uh, we're selling nostalgia. Yes. So we're selling a memory. We're selling a feeling um, that we you know we're trying to tap into with the people that we are playing for. Um, and that's, it's, it's a good market. Yeah. The, one of the things to consider when you consider genre is what's out there in the market. Yep. The world, I, in, I don't know about anywhere else, but where I play, where I play, the world does not need another classic rock cover band. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when we put the clanky links together, we were pretty deliberate about, but we'll do some classic rock. I mean, you know, my co-frontman, Justin, is a Stones dude. I'm a I'm a Floyd guy. We both love the Beatles. We cover that stuff, but we're also much broader and much, uh, you know, we do stuff that um, really makes us sound different from what's out there. And, and a lot of that is genre choice. Yeah, and it, I think that's true. But on the same note, there there's always a way to turn something on its head and make it uh, make it interesting. Well, that's true. Um so I, I'll just I'll just throw this out, you know, talking about, you know, another classic rock band. Um, there is a group out of I believe it's Los Angeles called the Wayward Sons and the Wayward Sons are doing basically classic rock and arena rock, um, but they're doing it in a period correct fashion. Huh. So um, I don't know if you've ever seen the Long Road to Ruin video that the Foo Fighters did. 
yeah with, with the feathered hair and the mustaches yeah, like yes, they yes. they look like that and and they're they're really really good um it's kind of it's it's like a, a heavier version of what uh yacht rock review does in the atlanta market which is you know polyester suits and uh aviators right uh doing doing smooth hits of the 70s and 80s um and just absolutely crushing it um but the wayward sons have done that as well and and you know, there's always a way to kind of put a spin on it. But, um, if you're just going to go out there and, you know, do stones and, and that kind of stuff, you, you need to have, you need to have an angle. Yeah. Um, cause it's just, you're just going to get, you know, you're going to get swallowed up by the other groups that are, you know, playing the stuff that you're playing. Yeah. So on that related note, um, who are you playing with and who are you playing for? What is your target market you know what kind of gigs are you looking to do um you know most of the time if you got in a room with the guys in your band uh and you're you're kind of envisioning like wh- where do you see you got you guys playing um what are the venues that are on your list of like you know stuff that you, places you could play now versus places you could play in a year or two and and you know kind of down the road like what are those goals what are the things that you would like to accomplish like that's one thing to to think about. Also, the um, if you're looking at the venues you want to play at, you need to also pay attention to the their clientele. You know, what is the demographic? What is the age range? What is the income level? Um, what kind of music do the people that frequent those places like to hear? You know, I booked a gig at uh, a fairly new bar in town. It's been there a while, but it's got new ownership since the first of the year. I asked what kind of music they mostly do there. And she said, Oh, mostly Southern rock. <laughs> okay. We don't do any Skinnerd, you know? And I said, listen, we skew a lot more pop than that. And she yeah. said, well, all right, that's fine. We'd like to, we'd like to mix it up. We'd like to shake it up. Okay. And I said, okay, I appreciate that, but you should just know we need to make sure your audience knows what they're coming to. Well, also that, but you also need to make sure that the venue knows that. Yeah that the person in charge agreed to. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, unfortunately the owner and the manager, they were all standing there. They were all oh, part okay. of my conversation. So I didn't have to worry about so much about that, but you better believe when I'm starting to make my set list for that show, I'm going to have that in my mind. I'm not yeah. going to do feel it still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you're going to start leaning, you know, towards your, you know, we, we've got the, the all killer, no filler sets, you know? Yeah. We know what's, we know what's going to make every single show. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, there's a lot of kind of, you know, if we're playing a public event, we'll throw this, this, and this in. And if we're playing a bar event, we'll throw this, this, and this right. in. So that is, that's definitely uh, something that, you know, well, we would, we were going to talk about, set, you know, set list orientation. That's, that's a, a totally whole different big topic. topic. That'll be episode five or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but for, to be sure, playing for this um, frat party. Next week, I'm pulling out all my vapid chick rock. You know, yeah. I've got, um, I've got, uh, it's just all of it. I can't think of a, um, your woo girl playlist. Oh, it's the fully, yeah, fully the white girl party playlist. And, um, <laughs> so that's part of what the market is. You know, your, your, your market is going to drive your genre selections and your song selections. And, uh, if you are resistant to that, that's cool, but consider you're leaning toward art project instead of business. Yep. Also still fine. Cool. Totally yep. good. And there's probably a market out there for your art project, but it may um, not be as wide as Yeah, it won't be. You know, it won't be. Yeah. It won't be. But, um, 
a business choice in this thing is going to be about seeing what the audience wants to hear and playing that and having your feelings about that be, cause look, I'm never going to sit down and choose to listen to play that funky music white boy. Nope. But I play it at every single show and it, it works. It crushes every single time because when people are out and they all think it's cheesy, they all think it's lame, but when the dance floor is bumping, that's what they want to hear. So we've got a, we've got a nineties event coming up and I'm, I'm trying to go through the playlist and there's so many songs that like, I'm a little gun shy to add to the list. Uh Um, the two that jump to mind are smooth Uh featuring Rob Thomas of Matchbox 20, absolutely. Uh, three-time Grammy Award winner Carlos Santana yeah. from the album Supernatural, released in 1999. <laughs> you have to say all of those things when you reference that song. You can't just say smooth. And then also like Smash Mouth, uh, anything. Personally, I think Walking on the Sun is one of the coolest songs ever written, Yes. period. Yeah. Um, but it was written by Smash Mouth, uh, and that can be a problem for people. Yeah. So that 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 would be a, a fun discussion we may have offline yeah uh dan and i are you know we're there should be like a podcast within this podcast of just the stuff he and i need to talk about uh we could I don't know do, if it would we be, could do like a making of we could do like a meta podcast yeah so now we're going to start the podcast within the podcast so yeah. we'll start a new set of music that starts right now it's playing Ooh. and then yeah it's podcast so Yes. And then after we fall asleep, we'll do the third podcast and then it'll be done. We have to go deeper. Oh my gosh. We have totally fallen off. (laughs) Anywho, (laughs) We actually had a plan for what we're going to talk about in this podcast, folks. No, we totally did. (laughs) Um, and I would say, uh, just to, to keep the conversation going, um, if you go on to coverbandconfidential.com, there's a great, uh, article called Why You Should Know Your Audience that was done by a great, um, guest writer from a band called the Kilt Lifters, uh, who are out of Hawaii. Uh, I'd love to go take a field trip there and pick that guy's brain yeah, for a little bit. Seriously. And um, also on the Clinky Lincoln's uh, website, there's a great article. And I, I really, I may cross post with uh, Dan's permission. Sure. It's called Six Bar Band Audience Members and How to Reach Them. Uh, that is a fantastic article Thank you. Um, that is pretty universal, not necessarily uh, just bar band audience members, but lots of, lots of other um type of events that, that those things pertain to. So, uh, if you need some reading, uh, at work, you should definitely check both of those out. And I will include those links in the, uh, show notes. So we've gotten our genre figured out. We're going to be a, a business venture and we know who our market is. Uh, what's our shtick? What's the thing that we're going to do that, you know, kind of sets us apart. Um, and, and most of the time, shtick's going to be visual. What's the thing that you can put on a flyer um, or in a promo shot and somebody or a video and somebody takes a look at you and they go, oh, I get it. That is um, is one of those things I don't think a lot of people think about. Um, you know, I think most people who are doing just the general um, cover band gig, they're, they're showing up, they're dressing the way that they were dressed that day, um, or maybe they put a they put a shirt on. Um, a different shirt and then they go and they play their show and, and they stand there and they play the songs and they don't really give much thought to it. But if you are trying to um, differentiate yourself from your competition and trying to uh, make an impact with uh, potential clients and bar owners and, you know, your audience, uh, you got to give them something, whatever that might be. Um, It could be, a really cool light show. It could be special effects. It could be, uh, 
uh, one of the guys in the band knows how to do a backflip and you figure out how to put that into the show. Uh, maybe you guys all wear uh, certain kind of outfits um, or uh, matching sunglasses. Like there's just, they're typically for, from a stick st- st- mm. standpoint, um, there's got to be uh, certain things that tie the band together uh, as, a, as a cohesive unit. And um, I would say uh, there's a couple other links that I, I had talked to um, or I talked about, uh, which is you should probably go out and see what your competition is doing. Uh, take notes uh, about what to do, maybe what not to do, and use that as a, as a fuel to kind of mold your, uh, your group into what you want them to be. And also trying to come up with, you know, fresh, creative ways of, you know, packaging. Uh, what do you think, Dan? Well, it's interesting. You know, um, Members Only is a much stickier band than the Clanky Lincolns. Um, in as much as you have a, 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 you know, a theme era and you dress appropriate and you, you know, your, your, your show is a little bit like, you know, a, a DeLorean pulled up and you stepped out of the 80s. Um, the Clanky Lincolns, we don't, we're not, our, I'm a little torn about how to answer this. Cause on one hand, no shtick is a shtick. It's true. Right. But a shtick is kind of, you know, it implies that it's a deliberate choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a, you know, one of the topics we're going to discuss and we may bump into it in this conversation, or we may save it for another time is branding yep. in, in branding. We say you always have a brand whether it's on purpose or not. And if not, that's probably bad news. Yep. Uh, a shtick is more deliberate than that. It's more intentional. And, you know, with the Clanky Lincolns, we don't, we draft appropriate to the venue. And in some venues, that means jeans and a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, we deliberately want to be very accessible. We don't want people to feel like we're somehow distant from them. We actually really love playing where there's no stage. We love playing on the floor. Uh, I may change my tune about that after this fragging, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, uh, But generally in bars, we love playing on the floor and Justin and I both play wireless guitar and mic. And we spend a lot of time out in the audience, dancing with people and singing with people and putting them on the mic. And uh, not that we'd ever give up the mic, but sing along with them. And that is the shtick for us. We are just regular guys who are there to party and having a great time. And you wouldn't look at us and say, Oh, there's, in fact, walking in, you wouldn't think we were the band. Mm-hmm. But the minute we take the stage and the minute we start to engage the audience, it becomes really clear who we are is all about that engagement and that connection. And we're throwing the biggest party ever and everyone's invited. And that's pretty much the shtick of our band. And and for us, you know, for an 80s band, I would consider us fairly low shtick. Um, the, the main reason being is that for a lot of 80s bands, there's a there's a costume component and like a wig component, um, yeah. And and we don't really do that. Um, the the whole idea behind our deal is that it's a cohesive look. And so when you walk in, um, you know, I've always liked the the mentality of uh, a band walking in and looking like a gang, like immediately, like you're you know, there's a visual component that's like, oh, these people are here together and they're they're you know they're a cohesive unit. Um, they're like up to something. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. our, our goal was to, th- I was, I had always said that we were supposed to kind of look like an eighties version of the T-Birds from Greece. Um, <laughs> you know, just, you know, black jeans, black jackets, you know, just, just a cohesive look that it, it shows, okay, well, this is what the band is doing. And it, it translates across, um, you know, public events, bar gigs, weddings. Um, it all works. Right. Um, 
but yeah, we're not, we're not doing, you know, Mohawk purple wigs and, um, costume changes in the middle of shows and that kind of thing. It's more just, uh, and, and, you know, we also have what I would call moments in our show. Uh, other people may call it choreography, but choreography is a bit more, uh, rigid, um, but there's like moments where the band is doing a certain motion in unison, um, but it's not constant. It's kind of just a, a, a thing just to kind of draw visual attention. And those are all things that, you know, can develop over time. And there, there are moments that, you know, show that the band is a unified group and that you, you know, you've taken some time and put some effort into your live show. Um, right. But I have definitely seen groups that take it to, uh, to the nth degree and for better or worse, uh, some of those are some of the best, you know, cover and tribute bands out there. Um, but it's not a hundred percent necessary to, to go, you know, to go that far. Right. Yeah. The spasmatics come to mind, right? Um, I would, yeah, the spasmatics definitely have, uh, there's a, there's a local group, uh, shout out to the geeks in, uh, in Atlanta, um, who also are an eighties band that do kind of what the spasmatics do. Um, I would, they actually do it uh-huh. in a, in a more color, colorful, creative kind of high energy way. So, uh, props to those guys. Um, but there's also bands like, uh, Jesse's girl, NYC, Holy smokes. Um, those uh-huh. guys, if you, you should go to their website and watch their videos. Like first time I saw those guys, I wanted to quit, like take the website down, <laughs> just game over. Yeah. Uh, it's so good. And, so slick and yeah everything about that is they've been kind of the my my goal and model ever since i discovered them so um and there's bands probably in your in your market that are doing that kind of stuff as well and um they can be a good source of inspiration um sure for good and bad so um always make sure that you know what what you're up against uh and and do that research uh do your homework because uh there there are probably other bands in your town that are doing that so you know, be on top of it. So moving along out of the shtick land, um, you know, we're now we're kind of getting down to, you know, to brass tacks. We're getting down to, you know, the details. Um, how many people are going to be in this band? Um, can you afford, you know, a certain lineup? Um, what's feasible for the, uh, for the, the money that you're looking to make and for the, um, the musicians in your circle, uh, you know, can you afford to have a keyboard player? Uh, if you want a horn section, can you get one? Are there enough, you know, is there a horn section in your town that you can leverage? Um, you know, a lot of these things are kind of under, you know, the need of necessity. There's not a whole lot of, um, there's not a whole lot you can do in some of those circumstances. So, um, make those determinations based on what you, uh, what you can, um, and think creatively and, um, you know, if you got to run a lean and mean operation, go for it. I've seen some great trio cover groups that, yep. you know, cover all the ground that they need to cover, um, and don't need the extra people. And I've also seen, uh, eight to 10 piece groups that just are crushingly good. Um, it's got, it's got everything to do with that band utilizing their members to the best of their ability, uh, and selling the product. So, you know, if you, if you can only find three dudes, go for it. You know, there's room for you. One of the, you know, on gig masters in our area, there's one band. It's like the highest grossing band in the Atlanta area is a, is a trio. Yeah. <laughs> Guitar, bass, drums. And, yeah. uh, they're yeah. working their, yeah, they're working their tails off and they're making good money. Yeah. So, yeah. 
I'll say this about about the size of a band. The in my in my view, and I've you know I've never been in a thing bigger than five, but it seems to me that the more people you have, the more opportunity you have for it to be absolutely amazing. Especially when you bring in things like horns and keys and um, there's a band I know and love. They're uh, they're mostly an originals band called Viva La Muerte here in in Greensboro, and we're actually opening for them uh, in April. And they are an Americana jam band, dead inspired. Every time I see them, they've got like two more people. They now have a trumpet and a sax and a banjo and two guitars. And uh, I mean, it just keeps getting bigger. Their bass and their like rhythm section is incredible. And and um, their lead singer and songwriter is just a genius. Um, but like every time they add something to the show, it adds this whole new piece of flavor and this whole new piece of character. And as I've talked to him about that, his name is Matt Armstrong. He's a friend of mine, the, the frontman of that. Um, he's really enthusiastic about bringing people in and having them work with them. And but the more people you add, the more schedules you got to coordinate, the more space you need in the rehearsal room, the more likely it is you got to rehearse in sections because so and so can't make it this night, and that person can't make. You know, the more coordination and organization, and the more it takes, the more humans you add. Humans are um, notoriously tricky to wrangle, <laughs> and the more the more schedules you need to deal with, and personalities you need to deal with, and um, just stuff people go through, you know, uh, uh, the flu seasons you need to deal with, the harder it gets, right? So there is that trade-off, uh, you know. Um, it's make sure your bass player is properly vaccinated. <laughs> exactly, and bring exactly. bring them in in the in in the winter. It gets cold. If, yeah. if it's cold, they're cold. Bring them inside. That's right. Don't leave your bassist outside. Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't leave, don't leave, your, don't leave in don't hot hands either in the summer. Yeah. Don't leave the drummer in the car. It's important. Yeah. yeah. We're just kidding. Yeah. We, we love we love bass players and drummers. You guys make the world go round. Really? Just, in just some slight more time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that that's a great thing to, especially as band leaders, you know, you've got to, you know, how big of a band you want definitely uh plays into how much uh how much you ha- you're willing to put up with yes um, so yeah um we kind of delved on this a little bit talking about the appearance appearance can kind of talk can kind of relate to a number of things um we were talking about clothing and style um you know members only has a has a look um that we have kind of put together um it's uh it's chuck taylor's or vans black jeans Um, we have these custom eight bit tuxedo t-shirts in black and white, um, that, yeah, I, I ended up having to get them designed because there was a company that made them, but didn't make them the way that I wanted them. So I, (laughs) I had to fork the money over to get it done the right way. And I'll tell you this about those shirts. They're so great and so unique. Um, I had seen them on your website somewhere. Mm -hmm. I don't know, somewhere along. I knew there was, oh, it was a really cool band that did this eight bit tuxedo t-shirt. So cool. And that was long before I had connected with you or knew you or anything, but it was still in my head. I still knew it was like out there as this awesome thing. Um, and then it, what was it a, a week ago? Yeah. I realized, oh, oh my God, that's, you know, you're the band that uh, was so cool. They really are great. And really um, they speak to the ethos of your band in a way that's really perfect. Kind of like, you know, quoting Talladega Nights is like, I always picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt, which says, and it, this is basically what, you know, our, our entire deal is I'm formal, but I'm also here to party. Right. Uh, that's, that's definitely, um, 
the mind the mindset we're going to. Yeah. Um, well, and it's eight bit, so it says eighties loud and clear. Exactly. Um, and then you know, black members only jackets. Obviously, it's funny when we get off stage and people go, "What's your band's name?" And we go, "Members only." I mean, it's on it's on our kick drum. I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, like the jackets," and I'm like, "Yeah, like yeah. I'm, I'm wearing it right now." Yeah. We all have. We all are. Um, and then we we were uh, wayfarers. Uh, on stage. I am, I'm very pro sunglasses on stage, uh, for musicians for a litany of reasons, but that is a, a, an aesthetic choice that we have made. Uh, and I stand behind it. Very nice. Very nice. And then we pretty much, when we do a bar gig, we are dressed like ordinary guys Mm -hmm. and that is our, our ethos. And it's, um, you know, we try to stay away from torn up clothes. It's like a, a nice jeans and t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> but just for the, uh, but basically for the job you want, right? Not the, we're there. We're going to blend in. We're going to be your buddy. People want to hang out with us and want to come back to our next show. Cause we're just that guy. Um, we have designed a look that we use at, um, more formal corporate and, and party gigs that we call rock and roll semi-formal. Nice. I like it. Which is like, yeah, jeans and a shirt and a tie or a vest or, you know, it's just, it's just tweaked a little bit. We're not yeah. in suits, but, you know, so we still look like the band, yeah. but it's clear we, we aren't, you know, we didn't just get dragged in. We actually got dressed up for this. Um, so those are our kind of two looks right now, bar look and rock and roll semi-formal. Well, and beyond, beyond what the band is wearing on stage, the appearance is, is kind of a full, is a full deal. Oh, sure. um, it, it's not just, uh, it's not just what you wear. It's what, what the stage itself looks like. So, um, things to consider there, um, what, what's your instrumentation, um, are there certain guitars or instruments that you could play that, uh, that fit that, you know, that aesthetic better? Um, you know, I, I bought a Steinberger, uh, because I play in an eighties band, darn it. And, (laughs) you know, and I bought it, you know, thinking I will use this for the gig and, you know, I don't really care how it plays. It'll just, it'll get the job done. That is hands down my favorite guitar. I've got Mm. guitars that cost, five times as much as that one. But if I'm just sitting down, uh, I'll pick that one up. I really, really like it. It's a great playing guitar and, um, they're pretty affordable. Uh, if you're not getting the, the original Newberg, you know, Steinbergers, but the import ones, um, I got one for like 150 bucks and it's like, <laughs> it's like my favorite That's guitar. Great. So I'll tell you, I loved, um, I love cheap guitars. My first guitar that I gigged with was a, um, Japanese Strat knockoff that I got for 80 bucks at a pawn shop. And, the thing about it that is awesome is it's got this metallic flake red mm-hmm. paint on it and it just looks amazing under the lights. And, um, and then I grew up, I mean, that was high school. I yeah. grew up and I felt like an $80 guitar didn't do it for me anymore. So I went through some other things right now. I'm playing an agile LP knockoff. That's a, a gold top. And again, the shiny reflective metallic, um, yep. it just really works. And it, it's so great. Actually, I'm thinking about taking my old red. It's a, um, it's hanging behind me. Tanaka is the name of the brand, which nice. I've Googled. It doesn't exist. That's not a thing. <laughs> no, it sounds Japanese. I don't know. Um, and the electronics are poor and it's all, uh, there's shorts in it and everything. But I have a really great tech that I'm thinking about taking it to and getting cleaned up and turned into a real guitar because it's sure. so great to play. And somehow my hands have never quite felt right on anything else. So I'm, I'm thinking I may end up playing some weird Japanese random guitar. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Um, and then also, you know, about stage setup, um, we have made the choice, um, not in previous bands, uh, I, I was in a group that was endorsed by orange amps. And so part of our look 
was the fact that there were two honking orange stacks on stage. Nice. Uh, and that was the look. And man, it was an awesome look. Um, but I don't want to have to carry that thing to every right. single gig. <laughs> exactly. And, and so uh, a little over a year ago, we opted to go ampless. So we have no amps on stage. Yeah. And that's a part of our look. Um, the stage is super clear. We have a, you know, our, our back line is literally a drum set and a keyboard. Um, if we have the keyboard player on that gig and the rest is just free reign just to run around. It's awesome. It's pretty great. Uh, we're at, we're to too. It's, it's, it's the best. It's really the best. I know there's a lot of purists out there that don't like hearing that, but if you got in-ear monitors, it really doesn't matter. It sounds so good. Well now I, so at some point, just, just to put a bug in your ear for later, we need to talk about mm-hmm. in-ear, in-ear monitors. Cause I'm, yes. I'm, um, you and I have different views on them. Yeah. So it'll be an interesting conversation. Yes. As in, I think in-ears are awesome and you are wrong. Uh, <laughs> well, I might be, I am willing to have my, my mind changed. Um, I actually, I, I I'm, imagine I'm, they're great for a lot of people. I just can't quite figure out how they'd work for me. So mm-hmm. that's, I think that's a conversation that a lot of people are probably having. So I think it'd be interesting for us to sure. hear that one of these episodes. I, I'm actually wearing mine right now to, to monitor and, uh, Very good. so much clarity. Yeah. Um, and it's right inside my head and I'm not, you know, irritating my wife too much. Hopefully she's in the other room watching the crown would be my guess. Uh, that's her Netflix of choice when I am busy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, um, the whole, but you know, your, your band's look might be, you know, a, a 12 piece drum kit and, you know, two full Marshall stacks and a, and a, an Ampeg fridge. Uh, and that's a look and it's a man, it's a good one. It is. Um, no, there's, a reason, to, there's a reason they made all those fake, you know, stack fronts. That's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's a great look. It is a good look. And, um, unless you're Slayer and Slayer just brings the whole things out, man, they don't care. Huh. Uh, just, just Marshall, just cabs, just one right after the other, all like, you know, cinched together and man, it, it looks awesome. Um, we've opted to use, um, we've got, we got giant Rubik's cubes that we, we put on stage where the amps would be. Um, and we're also, uh, going to order some stage banners and stuff that kind of tie the branding together. So it places, um, where we need to fill up more space or just need, you know, a little more brand awareness. We could do that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's, that's what we have decided to do. Um, and it, it sounds like a weird conversation to have and, and, I've definitely seen some tricky conversations on the, the CBC group that, you know, one of the, if you want to play in my band, you have to have an ampless solution period. That's not up for negotiation. This is the, this is what we have decided on. Um, and I know that there are certain drummers who, you know, won't play E kits and we're not quite at that point, but there are plenty of bands that are like, you know, if you want this gig, this is what you got to have. And we are one of them. Yeah, I, I would not so. take a, if I needed a new guitarist, I would not, I would need them to go direct. And on that note, since I kind of, we both kind of alluded to the fact that we tend to make our decisions uh, on behalf of the group, uh, what's your team organization look like? Um, are, is there a band leader? Uh, are you that band leader? Is someone else? Um, are you guys a democracy? Um or is it more of like you had said in the first uh, episode, the benevolent dictator right. model, where you you make the decisions, but you always make sure that you are making those de- decisions for you know the, in the best interests of the uh, the guys that you're playing with. Well, yeah, and and also, you know, for us, um, 
like I said, I do most of the booking, or at least I'm very involved in it. Some other guys have done some. I've done all of our design and marketing and online presence and things like that. When it comes to stuff like song selection, we're very democratic. I lay out um, some choices, and other people lay out some choices, and then we put them in. We go into the room and we try them out, and we're pretty we're pretty um, dispassionate about cutting things that don't work. We don't let things linger too long. Maybe one or two rehearsals if something's mm-hmm. not coming together. There's just plenty of songs out there. We don't need to beat our heads in about something that's not happening. But suggestions yeah. come from everybody. Yeah, I mean, we, for for me, you know, yeah, suggestions are always welcome. Um, you know, sometimes I send a list out. Hey, let me know your thoughts, and I don't get anything back. And I was like, all right, well, right, I will make yeah. those decisions. Um, and you know, I you know, the guys in my group aren't beholden to to this band, uh, and they've got other projects going on, so I get it. Um, but you know, if 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 everybody in your band is that way uh, and there's nobody in charge, then things aren't going to get done. So uh, whether you determine a band leader or one kind of shows themselves through the situation, it it is a good idea to have somebody uh, who has the final say. Um, It'll make things a bit... Yeah, now you started members only explicitly. You're it for that band. It's your project. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know. so, and I, yeah, I hire my guys out basically. Oh, gotcha. So they're, they're, they're all one-offs or do you have standing no, people? I mean, yeah, we've, we've got a, we've got a core lineup. Uh, we, we have an A, we, you know, we have an A, an A squad and a B squad basically. Gotcha. And, and, and not B in the sense that, you know, their B is a lower level product. It's just, we have guys that you know, play the majority of the stuff and we have guys that are, you know, considered subs and, you know, that changes from year to year. So, you know, some, sometimes, you know, one guy will, will have the the upper hand in booking. And then other times, you know, based on a, a, a number of, you know, factors, the other guy might end up being the, the first call. So, yeah. but yeah, there's definitely, I've had a lot of one-offs. Uh, I don't recommend it. It's not, it's not fun for yeah. me and I, I'm assuming it isn't always fun for them. So, yeah. We're hitting, let's see, we're right around 45 minutes. So yeah. what did you do? Well, you listen, go I got, I got one other thing. I just, one other thing that happened today, I dealt with it today. So it, it occurred to me as a, a good um, thing we might think about is how your band is going to get together, how you're going to rehearse, where you're going to rehearse, how often you'll be together, that sort of thing. That um, comes up because when we first got started back uh, nine, 10 months ago, I found on Craigslist this place that was renting rooms to bands. And it's a it was an old office building, and it had one hallway with doors all down it. And every room was a band practice room, or there were some, some music teachers. There was a voice teacher and a bass teacher who had rooms in there. And, and we were calling it the band dorm because it was, felt very dormy. Um, and it was okay. It was fine. It, was, um, it, it cost uh, not a lot, as these things go. It was um, $175 bucks a month. And so we split that out of the first gig we played in the month and it's all been fine. But, uh, the owner of it is a guitar player, not really a landlord. Um, <laughs> so care of the place is marginal and I hate to be a snob. I, uh, and that's not true. I love to be a snob. The, um, mm-hmm. the room next door to us got occupied by a, a, a thrash metal band. You know, the, the band that, um, uh, cookie monster is the front man. Uh, you mean all of them? Yeah. So this is the one. This is the one. They, they are next door to us. We actually call them Cookie Monster. 
And nice. um, it's brutal trying to practice with them doing that next door. It's really uh, – God love you. If that's your genre, more power to you. But it's really not mine. Oh man, I I love I love that stuff. Actually, yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> I do. I can say more power. I I um I do. It's not it's not my tempo. Uh, so we were kind of looking at other places to go, and then we got a note under the door that said, "Hey, the building's being sold. You got sixty days to get out." Which yeah, we we've been to that too. Yeah, made our decision for us. So today, I've been looking for un- office space or unused retail space or unused warehouse space or something because I want to store all of our equipment there. I really want a, a monthly lockout. I don't want to carry everything home and take it back and set up every every rehearsal. Um, there is a thing around here and probably around a lot of places that storage facilities will rent out rooms to bands, but they all tend to be outdoor access, not um, climate controlled, and I'm just not going to store my stuff in a room that's going to get hot and cold like the outdoors. It just doesn't work. Yep. So today on Craigslist, I found the place that actually is a fairly new facility, a storage storage facility that has indoor rooms, climate controlled with power and lights, and they're well welcome. You know, happy to have bands there, which a lot of them are sketchy about that. I used to get a lot of miscreants and whatnot when you have musicians around. Um, so just today, I went and booked this new thing. I got to move us over the weekend. But uh, it was $5 more for about twice as much space, and it's way less sketchy than this other joint was. That is what you call a deal. It was a deal all the way around. And, um, but that's the thing you got to think about. Are you going to practice in your living room? Are you gonna, I mean, if you like you and me, Adam, we have kids, yeah. so practicing at home doesn't work that great. Uh, not so um, fast. We, uh, we do. Okay. Well, I wondered. Go ahead. We rehearse at home. Um, because we are a band that runs everything direct and use in ear monitors, um, I can take our front of house rig and um, we've got a set of, uh, of Elisa's drums downstairs and we can rehearse uh, as late as we want, as long as we want. And um, the only thing is you can hear it's it's like the it's like the weirdest acapella show you've ever yeah, seen. I'm sure. And the drums are flapping in the background. Yeah, just a lot of, <laughs> just a lot of slapping noises and three part yeah. harmonies. Um, but it, all right, it, well, it, that might kind of sell me on in here. So I, I, uh, I appreciate that. Um, we had another section about talking about the founding stories, but we're running, uh, yeah, we're close to an hour. Uh, so we'll go ahead and call it at this and maybe we can, we can touch on that uh, a different time or maybe do a mini. So, uh, at some point and just cover that. So yeah. anybody who's interested, uh, can do so. Um, but, uh, want to thank everybody for, uh, for tuning in. And, um, again, if you want to, uh, to contribute or you have some ideas for some stuff, email us at coverbandconfidential at gmail.com. Uh, like and subscribe to our podcast. Give us good reviews and five-star ratings. We would be super appreciative. Any uh, final words? Uh, well, we need obviously some great thing to say at the end, like the boys over at GigGab do, but yep. um, we haven't come up with that yet. So just keep rocking. And don't fill up on bread. Don't. <laughs> That's right. That's how they get you. Yep. That, maybe that'll be our, our, our tagline. Um, on bread. From Atlanta, Georgia, this is Adam Johnson. Greensboro, North Carolina, Dan Ray. This has been the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, Episode 2. You guys have a good week, and good luck this weekend out in the clubs. Bye.